couple weeks, we'll be celebrating our 10-year anniversary, which is exciting. Uh, we can look back over these 10 years and say, wow, God has really helped us and is moving, and uh, we're so, so thankful for that. And uh, part of that, um, we want to capture you in your family. And uh, we want a, a quick testimony from every family. We want to do this by video. And uh, Alicia, I want you to stand here for a second. She's right in the middle. Um, don't be afraid of Alicia these next couple weeks. She's got a list with your name on it. And uh, she's going to be looking for you, calling after you. And before service, after service, we want to capture every family. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, thanks, Alicia. And on video, in just a quick testimony, how's the Lord, uh, you know, worked in your life? Um, you know, how has the Gateway Church affected you? How is, um, I don't know, I can't remember some of the, the other questions. Uh, we want every, everybody to say, I love my church. And uh, we'll put some things together uh, with that. That'll be fun. And uh, it's just as a is a fun way to capture some testimonies, to hear from you of what God has done, because we know that God is moving. Well, this fall, we have been studying the story of Genesis. We've been in a series, and we're almost wrapped up. In fact, by the end of next week, we will be wrapped up. And it's been a journey. It's been a journey through the book of Genesis, and we're, we're at the end stages of Genesis, and we've been asking for your participation. Every week, we're asking you to read and reread the story of Genesis. And just by a show of hands, how many of you... Are, uh, have finished reading the book of Genesis. Just a quick show of hands. All right. Wow. Just look around. Hands up. All right. Now, if your hand is down, you have an assignment this week. We want 100% of you to be able to participate with us and get through the book of Genesis. It's a great story. And boy, if, you're getting, if you've been reading kind of as we go, um, the story of Joseph that we've been highlighting in uh, chapters 37 through 50 is really a highlight, highly inspiring. And uh, it's been exciting to, to go through that and to, to talk about that. And then, of course, we want you to sign our board out in the lobby because after next week, we're going to put that up on the wall, and you can't sign the glass, okay? And so we want you to be finishing that up uh, by next week, and then we're going to be heading into a celebration, um, and it'll be a lot of fun. Well, last week, uh, we, we started a, a, to look at Joseph. And really, for the last three weeks here uh, uh, in um, uh, the book of Genesis, we're focusing on Joseph. And last week, we realized that Joseph is quite different from Jacob, his father, quite different from Abraham and Isaac and, 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 uh, uh, and from Adam and, and from some of the other characters that we've studied, where we could relate to many of those characters. We could find ourselves in those stories. But when it comes to Joseph, instead of saying, okay, I could see myself like Jacob, the deceiver, or trying to get my own way or, or you know, struggling through life, we see Joseph and he is a dreamer. And not only is he a dreamer and has these dreams, but God, in his miraculous way, helps Joseph to uh, be able to receive his dreams. Inspiring, inspiring story. Last week, we talked about what can we expect if we have a God-given dream. And what can we expect, church? We can expect that God is going to allow different tests for one, Satan's going to attack. He does not want us to achieve our God-given dreams. Is that true? Have you seen that to be true in your life? I certainly have in mine. 
But also God allows these things to refine our dreams, to strengthen our dreams. And so the tests come, and it might be a test of denial or a test of doubt or a test of, of, um, of I'm looking at my notes here where I lost my place, of destruction. And of course, there's this test of waiting that we talked about last week. And in Joseph's life, he worked hard as he waited. He didn't just give up. He resisted temptation in the waiting. He survived setbacks while he waited for those dreams to come true. And then we ended the service last week in a unique way, and many of you were part of that. And we asked you to take 30 minutes. It was a 30-minute challenge to ask uh, you to write down your dreams and then ask these three questions. How do I know this is God's dream? The second question was, has that dream been tested? And then thirdly, how long am I willing to wait? And I pray that that's been an encouragement. And even through this week, I hope you've been thinking about your dreams and what God is calling you to do. So today we're going to look at the story of Joseph and the fact that he was able to receive his dreams. And then next week we're going to wrap up Genesis by looking at how Joseph managed those dreams. And I'll tell you, it's incredible. When you look at the fact that he not only received those dreams, he lived and managed those dreams. And in that, there are some great truths that you're not going to want to miss next week. And uh, we want you uh, to, to be a part of that. So receiving the dream, an inspiring part of the story of Joseph And what's interesting is that a lot of people talk about how to get a dream or how the the dreams are tested or, or how to survive setbacks, but they never receive the dreams. If you look at Joseph's life, he kind of had three strikes and he would have been out if that's the way life was. Not only was he hated and rebuked by his brothers early on when he had the dream, he was sold into slavery, strike two, and strike three, he was put into prison the lowest of low. And if it was baseball, he would have been out of there. But how many know life is not like baseball in some aspects? Now it is in other aspects, and we know we got some baseball fans here. But for Joseph, he understood that God had a plan. And God had a plan for us as well. And part of that plan is not only to have a dream, but to receive the dream that God has for us. So how do you receive a God-given dream? The fact is you don't just sit around and wait. You don't wait for the ship to come in. You don't wait with, you know, with, your, uh, with your cocktail and, uh, on, the, on the ship and you know, just cruise into port like some of you have recently. It's, it's important that we are working and managing those dreams. The fact is that some people, they get to the very edge They're on the edge of receiving their dream, and then they're frozen. And what freezes most people and what freezes uh, uh, many, many is they get to the edge, they can see it, they can almost touch it, they can almost taste it, and what happens is fear creeps in. And we're going to kind of talk about that uh, today, that fear gets in the way, fear of failure, fear, fear of disappointment. You start to second-guess those dreams because it maybe has taken some time. And what did Joseph do? What did Joseph have to be able to get beyond that fear? What do I need? What do you need to be able to receive those dreams when we get to the edge of our dreams? And we find the answers for that in Genesis chapter 40, 41, and 42. And I want to talk about four things that Joseph had 
Joseph thinks, the things that Joseph had in his life that we'll, we'll see as we look at some of these verses. In fact, you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter uh, 39 and we'll start there. The first thing that Joseph had was wisdom. And I want you to write this down, that he knew the right time to act. The Lord was with Joseph. As we read this story, you'll see that. You'll see that, that there were things in the works that, that were working in Joseph's lives, but the dream had not come true. And Joseph, in that time frame of his life, had incredible wisdom. Again, he knew the right time to act. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 39, and we'll kind of pick up where we left off last week in the story of Joseph. And we understand that Joseph was thrown into prison after Potiphar's wife uh, takes some time, tries to get him to uh, have relations with him. He says, no, he runs. Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar comes back and puts him into jail. It says here in verse 20 of uh, chapter 39, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But I love this. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who were held in prison. And he, made, and he was made responsible for all that, he, that, that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And this is important because Joseph, the part of his story is that God was there with him. And I believe that God is with you. He has not left you where you are. Last week, you may have spent some time writing out some dreams and take, took the time to answer some of those questions. And some of you, honestly, I believe that you, you think, well, man, where is God? Where is God in all these setbacks? Well, he's right there with you, and he wants to continue to minister to you. Chapter 40 says this, at uh, some time later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt of offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupper and the chief baker, and he put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. So all of a sudden, Joseph is there, and he gets two more neighbors, two more neighbors in prison, but then it says the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. If you ever question God working in your life, God is working in Joseph's life at this point. And after they were in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king, who were being held in prison, they had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. He said to the Pharaoh's uh, officials who were in custody, he said, why are your faces so sad today? And they said, we both had dreams, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, and I love this, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Saying, look, God will reveal your, your dreams. So the cupbearer told Joseph's dream. He told him the dream, and, and, uh, and he goes through the dream, won't take the time to read that. And, uh, and, he, and Joseph interprets that dream. It's favorable for the cupbearer. Interesting story. And then Joseph says, hey, when you get out of here in three days, three days away, Joseph's thinking, away from freedom. The cupbearer is going to be freed, and he's right on the edge of his dream. He's going to be back in freedom. 
I'm thinking, oh, yes, it sounds good. But then the, the baker explains his dream, and it's not such a favorable thing. Uh, J, uh, Joseph explains that within three days that his head was going to be cut off. <laughs> and can you imagine Joseph in that circumstance? Saying, mm, I'm in prison, got a choice here. But anyway, on the third day after, uh, was Pharaoh's birthday. They had a feast. He lifted up the head of the cupbearers and the chief baker. Uh, was, his head was cut off. And the story uh, is just that. That in a hard time, Joseph, he knew the right time to act. Wisdom to take a risk. If, if Joseph wouldn't have had the correct interpretation, it would have resulted in his death. You understand that? Or if you tried to impress the, the pharaoh or, or the baker and, the, and the, um, the cupbearer, it would have resulted in death. So Joseph had a choice. And wisdom said, look, I can have a, a, two choices here. I can either stay stuck in prison or I can take a risk. The risk is death or freedom. In chapter, uh, in, but in verse 23, we see that the, the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but he had this choice. And what's interesting is that in that moment, Joseph chose to take a risk. Wisdom said, look, step out and to do it. It also, uh, wisdom caused him to display his faith. How many times in the story of Joseph, if you've read it or will be reading it this week as you wrap up, you will see over and over that Joseph did not promote himself. In verse 8, we read that it says, boy, wasn't it God? Isn't it God who interprets dreams? In the next chapter, in verse 16, again, he says, look, it's not me who interprets these dreams. It's God. And wisdom also promoted a candid truthful interpretation in a very difficult time. I love what it says in Psalm chapter 111, verse 10. It says the, the fear, uh, let, let's turn there to Psalm chapter one, uh, 111. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what I love and what spoke to me this week so, so strong is that we are to fear God more than we are to fear man. And be willing to, to let wisdom sit in our hearts and to be able to take a risk, to display our faith, to be candid, to, to be truth bearers. And that's exactly what Joseph was. He had wisdom. He knew the right time to act. He had uh, great faith in that. The second thing is that Joseph was humble. He had humility. He recognized the source of the wisdom. In Genesis chapter 41, we won't take the time to read through that account. Interesting story, but in verse 16 of chapter 41, again, I just mentioned it. He's, uh, Pharaoh comes to him and says, look, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And then in verse 16, he says, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer to his desires. He doesn't take the chance to puff himself up and to say, hey, look at me. Instead, he lets God use him in humility. Joseph served with humility. And the result of that, if you fast forward to the end of that chapter, chapter 41, verse 39, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made this, all this known to you, the story Pharaoh calls for, for a, has a dream and Joseph interprets it, says, Since God has made this known to you, there is 
No one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. And the reason that came was through humility, recognizing that God was in control. We see that in several places in the New Testament. James chapter 4, verse 10 says this, to humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 5, I love this. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Isn't that powerful? And then it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. See, what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in my life and here at the church and and all these things, he wants us to be humble, to recognize that he's the one at work. We, we, uh, We promote God, and as we lift God up, he will lift us up as well. As I was doing a little study on humility this week, I ran across a couple, couple characters that you may be aware of. The first one is Samuel Morris, who invented the Morris Code. Um, and it's interesting, the Morris Code really changed the way we communicated in this country. And did you know that he was a believer? I didn't know that. But he said this about his invention, of inventing the telegraph. He said this, he says, I've made a valuable application of electricity, not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God, who meant it for mankind, had to reveal it to someone, and he was pleased to reveal it to me. Isn't that powerful? Just saying, look, it wasn't me, it was God who put that idea. God wanted to use me. He doesn't deny the fact that God used him, but he also realized that God was the one revealing to him. Now, I'm not sure about you. There's another story I read, and uh, uh, let's take a quick poll here. How many think Christmas music uh, should be listened to right from, you know, Halloween right through Christmas? About two or three. Okay, I'm in good company then, so I can say what I'm about to say. I, uh, you know, every time I've gotten my car after Jessica's been driving it this, this last week or so, it's on the Christmas station. I'm thinking, this is not right. It is way too early for Christmas music. But one of the great Christmas carols that we sing maybe every year is O Little Town of Bethlehem. And it was a preacher that wrote that song. His name was Philip Brooks. And he was asked about humility. And this is what he said. Humility is not stooping so low, trying to make ourselves smaller than ourselves. True humility is standing at our full height, up against the greatness of the Almighty God, comparing ourselves to Him. And he said, when you do that, you experience true humility. So it's not saying, oh, I'm nothing, or I'm small or or insignificant. It's saying, no, I can stand tall in light of who God is, who is amazing and infinite in all of these things. And you know, I look at Joseph's story, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't take opportunities to say, hey, look at me, the dream interpreter, right? He just was faithful. He was humble. And in every circumstance, he recognized the source of where those interpretations were coming from. Pretty inspiring.
The third thing is that Joseph had tenacity. We touched on this just a little bit last week, but he had the strength to face the tests that came his way. How many of you remember, we talked about it last week, how old was, was Joseph when he first received his dream? Does anyone remember? Genesis 37, verse 2. Anybody remember? 14? No? Higher? Take another guess. Uh, let me tell you. 17? There will be a test. He was 17 years old. And in chapter 41, he begins to receive the dream. But in verse 46, it says how old he was. It says Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the services of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Wow. 13 years. 13 long years, I must say, before his dream started to come true. And it wasn't even, it was going to be several years after that. Seven years of, of greatness, of, of, uh, of plenty, and then before the drought would hit. And so you added those together, it would be 20 years that Joseph was faithful, hung on to his dream, and he was, it was uh, tenacious, he was strong, he was willing to face those things. I love what Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. One of my favorite verses. And uh, it talks about having a good work ethic and serving where you are. And no matter what the setbacks, that you are tenacious, that you are willing to work hard. Some people would read the story of Joseph and you can read it in a setting. You know, it's not that many chapters, 13 chapters. But you know what? For Joseph, this was not overnight success. It was little by little being faithful. And you know what? The same is true for us. Very few businesses will sprout up and have immediate success. Very few churches will sprout up and have uh, huge success. I would say even for families, it takes time to work in families for God to work. And very often, there's a season where, where, you're, where you're tilling the ground and working that ground. Not too long ago, I was listening to Dave Ramsey. I like Dave Ramsey. I flip him on the radio, especially over Christmas music. Uh, but on my way home, and I could, uh, and he was taught, he ranted and raved for like a 15 minute, minute segment all about persistence. He said the reason uh, uh, that, that companies make it is because of persistence. He said the most successful companies are persistent. And the most successful uh, uh, people in life are persistent. If you're going to make it uh, in, in money or in any other area of your life, it takes persistence. And that's exactly what Joseph was. He was persistent all the way through his life. The fourth thing, though, that Joseph was, as I looked at this story, and I've reread this story probably five times or more in this season as we've been going through, is that Joseph, I saw this, and it just jumped out at me. And it's a little, a little odd, but uh, he was grateful to God. The Lord was with Joseph, no question. You read through, and you, every time you see the Lord was with Joseph, it was, uh, you could circle that, and you'd be circling all through the story. 
It reminded me of the, what we say at, at, uh, in the one song that we sang this morning, Emmanuel, God with us. And Joseph lived that way, that God was with him. And in that, Joseph honored God. If you fast forward even in the story, which we'll talk about next week, in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, his brothers finally come. The full, um, the full dream is exposed. Uh, his dream comes true. And again, he's not putting his thumb down on his brothers. He's saying, look, it was God who orchestrated all of this. He recognized God's hand in his life, and he was grateful to God. Now, our mission statement says that we are here to connect with God, with each other, with the world. It comes from the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then, of course, uh, Matthew 28, 19, uh, to, to go into all the world and preach the good news. And so that's where we come up with our connecting um, mission statement. But when it says to connect with God or to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, if that was truly the case in your life or in my life, we would have a few conversations about God as we went through the week. Would you agree? And let me explain. When you read through the book of Genesis, and especially in Joseph's life, over and over and over, it's highlighting the fact that God was with Joseph or that Joseph continued to serve the Lord right where he was. And it came up in conversations. Joseph had gratitude. And I think about our lives. If God was truly the center of our lives and there was nothing more important in our lives, wouldn't God come up in our conversations at work or in our family, in our neighborhoods, at the club, at school? See, our businesses are important. Our family is important. Our ministries are important. Our relationships are important. But God is more important. And so I want to challenge us. I want to challenge myself to let God's name come up in our conversations. Where God gets the credit for what he's doing in your life. And you know what? The world hates this. The world hates it when we say, oh, praise the Lord, look what God has done. Or man, God has been working in my life or in this way. Or, or thank the Lord for, for his provision or whatever the case might be. But I believe that God's name should come up in our conversations. And even though it makes some people uncomfortable, we know that as Joseph continued to honor God, continued to interpret dreams, uh, listening to God. He gave God the credit. He was thankful for those things. And what happened, Genesis chapter 41, we see that Joseph's dream becomes a reality. He hits the jackpot in chapter 41, starting in verse 41. Let's read that. It says, so, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in the chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Wow. Someone that was grateful to God 
all the way through. In every circumstance, he honored God. He remembered God. He talked about God. He didn't say, look, it was me, but he was full of wisdom. He had great discernment. He was uh, very humble in the fact that he didn't take the credit. He was tenacious in the fact that he didn't give up, and God gave him his dream. Now, I want us to consider this morning about our dreams. I'm wondering how many have ever been on the edge of a dream, and maybe fear has kept you from taking that final step to receive that dream. Maybe you've been so close where you could see it, you could almost touch it, you could taste it. How do we receive? How do we, when we're at the edge of our dream, how do we take that final step? I believe it's by taking some clues in Joseph's life. One of the uh, songs that have just been kind of going over in my head as I was studying on Friday and, and even last night as I was uh, looking at this again was a song that, that some of you might know, Because He Lives. How, how many know that song? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. And then it says, what? All fear is gone. Why? Because I know, I know, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. But I love that part. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. And you know, we took some time last week, and you took some time, many of you did, to write out some things that were close to your heart. And we had some time to share some of those things, and it was really powerful to hear how God is moving. But you know, as you start to share that, there can be fear that creeps in. I told you last week there were some things that I wrote down in my journal that I wouldn't dare share corporately at this point because there's, there's some big things I believe that God wants for us here at the church or even for our family and, and those types of things. But you know, as soon as you write down a dream, that the enemy, he wants to get in and bring that doubt, that destruction he wants us to deny, saying, ah, that's, that's not really from God. And he wants to attack and to, to tear those dreams down. But if we have wisdom, if we continue to be humble, if we are tenacious, and in the process, if we thank God along the way, I can't help but believe that our dreams will become true. I believe in your life that God is going to move and he's going to help you through these things. What kind of dreams are in your life? After service, there was a young lady that came up and had had a horrible week and said, man, I just wrote and wrote and wrote about my dreams. And, and was, she was explaining her desire to, to find relationship. And you know, I believe that God can make that happen. I, I just believe it. There were others that had wrote down dreams for their kids to come back to the Lord. Kids that are not serving God. but They're saying, oh God, please. My dream is to see my family serving God. 
And I believe that God wants to make those things happen. Amen? There were some dreams as far as marriages that are on the rocks. And you may be here this morning, and your marriage maybe on the outside looks okay, but is struggling. And I just want to say the dream of a successful marriage is possible. God wants to bring that to be. In business, at school, with our kids, in ministry, and here at the Gateway Church, God wants to take those dreams and he wants to shape them and mold them and help us to receive those things. But what will it take? It'll take some action on our parts. Joseph was a man of action. His story was inspired. He never gave up. In the face of great risk, he took the right path. And I want to encourage you to be discerning in your life where to take the next step. And I believe that God wants to help us in that. I'm going to ask Melissa to come. The first thing that I want to, that's on my heart this morning as we close, is that part of the dream for your life? You say, well, I don't know what my dream is. I'll tell you this. It's found rooted in God's scripture. Is that part of the dream is for you to give your heart to the Lord, to surrender your life to him. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you are away from God and don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you this morning to take a real hard look saying, am I ready to receive Jesus as my personal Savior? And if you are here this morning and you're just going through life and God is uh, getting a hold of your life and even as I talk about salvation or maybe a recommitment to the Lord, your heart is stirring and you know deep inside that that's exactly what you need to do. I want you to consider, would you just in a moment of honesty just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, want, I need to get my life right with the Lord. Anyone at all? Say, yeah, that's me. In this moment. Anyone here on this section here, my right, your left over here, saying, yeah, the Lord is prompting my heart. I need to commit my ways to him. Anyone at all? How about in the center section? Anyone at all saying, yep, that's me. I want to give my heart to the Lord. Restore that salvation. Yeah? How about on my left? You're, you're right over here. Anyone at all? All right. I don't see any hands this morning. And that's okay. The things we talked about this morning, being grateful, having tenacity, having humility, walking things out in wisdom. A lot of these have to do with our character and with the way that God wants to work in our lives. And what's great about the Holy Spirit is that He can work in one person's life uh, over here on the one thing and he might be speaking to someone else over here and something totally different and in each circumstance he can be challenging us in these areas and maybe you're here this morning and you're saying man pastor I need a dose of wisdom or I need to be more humble or I need to just be 
tenacious and work through those setbacks. Or maybe you're here and it's been a long time since God has been a part of your conversation. You're saying, you know, I need to be grateful for what God has and is doing in my life. And as we take some time to look at these things, I don't want to just rush through and say, okay, that was nice, and yeah, I need to work in those. I want us to take some time to say, okay, God, really challenge me. God, really help me in these areas. And if there's one of these areas that kind of stick out, I want you to spend some time thinking about wisdom or humility or being grateful or working hard as unto the Lord, no matter what. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask that you would take a moment in God's presence here and let the Holy Spirit move. Let the Holy Spirit bring to your attention areas that need tweaking. And in all of this, to remember, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. All fear is gone because we know God is the one ultimately who holds the future. Let's take a moment, just quiet before the Lord in his presence and let him speak to us. Father, I pray for your people this morning that that we together would be people of wisdom, discerning, discerning when to take a risk, discerning when to share our faith, discerning when to allow candor or transparency to be true in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be humble, that we would realize that you are the source of everything. We would not take credit for what you are doing in accomplishing our dreams. And Lord, I pray that we would be fighters like Joseph, tenacious, never giving up on his dream. And in the process, Lord, I pray 
that we would find your work, you working inside of us. Lord, I pray for this. Lord, that we would find you in our conversations, in our lives. And Lord, I just speak against fear. Lord, that fear would be gone. As we have listed out our dreams, as we will even continue to do that over this next season, even as a church, Lord, I pray that we would be people of faith. We wouldn't allow the fear of failure or the fear of disappointments or the fear of past mistakes to hold us back from everything you have for us individually and corporately. Lord, we pray for this. And I pray for husbands and wives and young people and older folks and singles and kids, students. Lord, that we would be people with your heart. Put your hand upon us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said together, amen, amen, amen. I want us to take this from here and allow God to work and to move and to see some of God's dreams come true together. Amen? And that is exciting for what God has for us. Well, this morning as we close, um, before we leave, we want to have an opportunity to give back to the Lord what he's given to us. And as part of our worship, we want you to give. And we want to encourage everyone to participate. And so as the ushers prepare in the back uh, to give, a bunch of announcements in the bulletin. Man, uh, we've got our celebration weekend coming up, the first weekend in December. That Friday night, there's a women's ornament exchange that you're not going to want to miss, December 2nd. There's a men's uh, father-son Christmas shootout that you're not going to want to miss. You'll be hearing more about that. There's some missions opportunities uh, this next couple, or uh, this uh, Friday, to come on out to the Feed America truck on Friday night, or not Friday night, Friday morning, 9 o'clock. And uh, we're not going to want you to miss that. And uh, there's a craft night on November 29th for, uh, for anyone that is crafty. And, uh, and that'll be fun right here at the Gateway Church. And then uh, tonight for our students, we want to just make sure you're aware, is our impact night tonight. Starts at 6.30. And uh, then later this week, this Friday night, is parent night out. And all the parents said, amen. And we want you to participate in that uh, for 0 to 12-year-olds to be dropped off and, uh, and for you to enjoy the evening. And uh, lots of really great things uh, happening here at the Gateway Church. And uh, ushers, why don't you come at this point?